This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We will begin this morning in Genesis 22. Now, I'm going to be in Genesis a bunch today. If you've been here for the last couple of weeks, we've been on the area of worship. Some of the definitions of worship is to bow, to stoop, to kneel. It also means uh, submission. It means reverence. And it has to do with obedience. And so, again, today we're going to go a little further. And I'm telling you right now, you may want it to. Yeah, you know, you may not may. You need to take some notes. Write these down because I'm going to tell you right now, God will move. God will move. The Holy Spirit will quicken today. I promise you. So we begin in Genesis 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. Now he, he responded to God right there verbally. And it's very important that we do that with God and say, Father God, I'm hearing you. Verse 1, Drew, verse 2, then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. Now, this is loaded with stuff right here. The land of Moriah would be the land where the Lord and Savior Jesus would be uh, crucified. It would be the the home of the, the church in Jerusalem or the temple. Now, it's interesting here that God tells Abraham, I want you to to take your son and offer him. The word offer there also has the meaning of sacrifice. So God here is telling him, I want you to offer, I want you to sacrifice him. And if you note here, this was one of the greatest possessions he had. And God said, bring him before me. Verse 3. So Abraham... So Abraham rose early in the morning. Not only did he respond to God verbally, he responded to God in his actions. And he saddled his donkey, took two of his young men, went with him, and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a minute here. Him and God are the only ones that actually know what's going on. And he knows that God's saying, I want you to go up here and sacrifice your son. So the closer he gets to seeing that place called the mountain of Moriah, you can imagine the intensity within him, knowing that this is what's going to take place. Verse 5, and Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder, and I will worship, and we will come back to you. Now, when you see the word worship there, This is the first reference of worship in the Bible right here. So when he says, me and the lad will go yonder and worship and you'll come back. So was he meaning, we're going to go up there and we're going to sing two slow songs and we'll come back down. See, in this passage here, there's not anything that mentions music, instruments, or singing. And I'm not saying that's not a form of worship. But again, when we look in detail of what he said worship was, we go back and we look and God said to him, go offer him and sacrifice him. So to worship God is going to come to a place that I've got to offer something within me and it becomes a sacrifice. Now look at verse number 9 and he's going to give us another illustration of this. 
Then they, they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the wood or the altar upon the wood. So now we get another definition of worship here. To worship God is to obey God. So anytime I come before God in the form of obedience or to say, Father God, I offer you everything I am. Even the Bible is very clear about the sacrifice of praise. So when I begin to open my mouth and I respond to God through lifting of hands, through the shouting, through, through just moving, day by day by day before God, and come, it's worship. It becomes a form of worship. Now, go with me to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to go back into the beginning of time. Now, you're going to have to hang in here with me because I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture, all right? And some of you say, well, what's new? Well, again, I want the Word of God to teach you, okay? Genesis 1, verse number 10. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called sea, and God saw it was good. So what God does in the beginning of time here, that the, the earth was void of form, and so God stands up one day and he says to the earth, this is what you'll be. So he speaks to the dirt, and he speaks to the oceans or the seas. And so literally God is assigning the earth, and he's signing the seas, and he said, it's good. Keep reading. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. So seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. So immediately we begin to see seed time and harvest. God's the originator of this. And he said, the very seed that you are, you'll reproduce. Verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed in itself according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So when we look here, God assigned to the herbs, the grass, and the trees, and he said, I assign you to the dirt. Now God spoke this, and that was the assignment for the trees, the grass, and the herbs. Now we all understand that. Same chapter, verse number 20. Then God said, let the waters abound with abundance of living creatures. And let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their own kind. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, the sea creatures, the birds, saying, be fruitful, multiply. Fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. So now we see another area. That God assigned all the, the sea creatures to the ocean. He said, this is your habitation. And what did he do with the birds? He said, birds, I assign you to fly in the sky. Now think about this for a second. None of these things that God said way back then have changed. They're still going along. Again, if you want to go fishing, you don't go out on your front porch and throw a hook in your front yard. You're not going to catch anything. Where you got to catch a fish? You got to go to the water. And so these things are still in motion. Chapter 1, verse 24. Then God said, 
Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle, creeping thing, beast of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So now we see another thing that goes into motion. God assigned the cattle to be on the earth, on the dirt. God signed the deer. God assigned the bear. God assigned the bunny rabbit. God assigned everyone. And if you think about that, it's still in motion. God is the one who told the sun when to rise and when to set. He's the God who tells the stars when to twinkle. So we begin to see something here with God's creation. Verse number 26. Then God said, let us make man in our own image. Now, when we see the word image, it has to do with God molded us. And he molded us here with reflection of his glory. But also, when he created us in his own image in that mold, it was with great deliberation. He said in Psalms 139, I wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created every one of you. Do you know what that means? God doesn't create any junk. Now to take a step further, be very careful how you criticize yourself or downgrade yourself. In other words, I wish I was this or I wish I was that. Or, uh-uh. God molded you with great deliberation. Great deliberation. So be very careful how you try to downgrade how God created you, okay? Here's something that may help you. Not one of us in here decided if we'd be male or female. Not one of us in here said, you know what? When I come out of the oven, I want to be white. I want to be black. Not one of us did. Do you know what that tells me? We ought to appreciate and we ought to value that God's a God of, of, of variation. Thank God we all don't look alike. Wouldn't that be a boring world? Just a thought. Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Now, the likeness is where we as human beings begin to change from the the sea creatures and the animals upon the earth. When he said we're created in his likeness, you know what it comes to say in the Hebrew that mankind then has now an intellectual side. Mankind now has a will and a choice. This is how God created. So God right here, he creates us all differently. And God's design was when he created us to have a special, special relationship that goes right there with him. Now turn with me to chapter 2, verse 7. Pastor, I thought we were talking about worship. We are. We'll get there. Just hold on. Verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. I want you to think about this here just for a second. He made us out of the dust of the ground. So when he formed us, every one of us, we became a physical shell. We have a body. I like to refer to this that you see, this is my earth suit, okay? And so when God created us, here we are with this shell, this body. Look what happens. Because the very next word in my Bible, 
goes on to say in, in, in verse 7, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So what happens here, we're born with this shell, and God says, i got to get life into that man. i got to get life into that woman. So when he breathes in us, guess what happens? We become a living spirit. We now have a soul which is made up of my mind, my will, and my emotions. And so the Bible says that those who worship God must worship God in spirit and in truth. And so now God caused something to come alive in my heart and your heart. And so here's a thought for you. When we die, we go back to the earth. How do you know that? Genesis 3.19. I'm not going there. Mark it. It says you were formed from the dust, and when you die, you go back to the dust. When we bury people, we send them back to the dirt. Why do we send back to the dirt? We send back this body, this shell, this earth suit goes back to the dirt. So what happens to my spirit? Well, this is why it's so powerful. That when I die, my body goes back to the dirt, but my spirit is an eternal being. And so again, when we begin to see this, God has plans for us eternally. Okay? So what happens to a plant if it gets out of the dirt or a tree? It dies. It dies. It can't make it without being in the dirt. What happens to a fish when it gets out of the water? It dies. It can't make it. So God created the herbs, the grass, and the trees. And the herbs, the grass, and the trees, they can't say to the creator, to what God assigned them to, I quit. I'm going to go plug myself in somewhere else. It's like the fish. He can't say, I quit. I'm going to go live somewhere else. I don't need you anymore. Now, we're in Genesis 2. I want you to go to verse 15 with that thought. Genesis 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. That's authority. And the Lord commanded, God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat it. For in the day you eat it you shall surely die. Now when you look at what goes on here. The two trees are an exercise of choice. God didn't give the fish a choice. And he doesn't give the plants a choice. But he gave me and you a choice. So the trees represent two areas of, of choice. If I obey, there's blessing. If I disobey, there's curse. It's not good with me. So now, when we say that here, with every exercise of choice, there's consequences. So in this passage here, remember God's given them the two, two trees. And what he's saying there is, you can choose. I'm giving you the ability, but there's going to be consequences. So now we paraphrase the story with Adam and Eve. We know that both of them come along and they eat of the tree. And when they eat of the tree, you know what they said to God? We quit. Why did they quit? Because they said, 
We want to do life another way. We think this other way is better than what you did. So they punt on God and they quit. And you know what God says? You can. I'm giving you the ability to choose. But understand there's consequences. And the consequence, he said, surely you will die. So when we see that phrase right there, surely we will die. Did they die or didn't they die? Think about this. Physically, that earth suit remained. They kept going on in life, but something happened spiritually. And when they did that spiritually, they were disconnected from the source that God always wanted to be. So sin has the ability to separate. Separate what? It's the only thing that separates us from God. Romans 6, 23 says the wages of sin, the compensation of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in a union with Jesus Christ. So guess what happens? Even though they lived physically, they died spiritually. They lived a death-like existence. And so what you begin to find out, what happens in man's heart or his spirit, the real you and me, it has the ability to affect the body. That's why God wants us to stay plugged in with him. Now, I'm going to reference this. I'm not going to have him turn to it just for time's sake. I encourage you, look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and it will say, you who were dead in trespasses and sin, he made alive in Christ Jesus. So literally, we go back, our only hope, and I'm going to highlight the word only, our only hope is to give our hearts to Jesus. And when I give my heart to Jesus and I begin to live with Jesus, it puts me back into relationship with God. Now, as I looked at Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, that was me to a T. My nature when I came into this earth was to sin. Just like everyone of you. Let me ask you this. How many of you took classes to learn to sin? Well, I, I went to Cursing 101. Ooh, I'm in advanced thievery now. I'm a great thief. None of us had to go to class to learn to sin. So what does that happen? That was my nature when I came into this earth. And without Jesus, that remains my nature. Pastor, weren't we talking about worship? We were, and we're getting there, okay? Verse 19, chapter 2 of verse 19. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Now, I should think about that for a little bit. And there's, there's a lot of creatures upon our earth. I mean, you think about all the things in the ocean. And so everything that came before him he would give it a name. He'd look and say, you know, giraffe, lion, whale, ant, red ant, fire ant, tarantula. I mean, just think of all that. There's no telling how long it took him to do that. But he named every one of them. Keep reading, verse 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field, but... 
But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. So when you look at the original text of this, and it says he couldn't find one, it literally says he didn't find one. So you know what? He was looking. God's parading all these animals before him, and, and Adam's shaking his head like, what about me, God? Verse 21. And the Lord, caused, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. You know why? Been busy naming all those animals. Been looking for a spouse, man. He was up late at night trying to find that one. Wonder if he was on all the social media sites. Get hooked up now. Godly Christian. I'm just going to keep reading. Verse 22. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. He made into a woman. Now, I'm, I'm studying this the other day, and the word made in the Hebrew had a couple different meanings. It said that when he made the male, it, it literally said he, he squeezed us out. Kind of like a cock gun. He shot you. But when he made the woman, you know what the word is? This may be in your translation. It says he fashioned the woman. Men, he just squirted you out. We're just squeezed out. But the woman, yeah, we ought to win. Thank God, men. Woohoo! Yeah, there's some of you that are clapping. You're a smart. <laughs> I love that. That's why I threw that in there. And he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man. I guarantee the day she walked up, I'm, that, that dude went cross-eyed for a little bit. He thought, I hadn't seen nothing like this. Where are we going with this here? When I begin to look at this, the thought begins to come. How did God know Adam's desire? Adam was created in the likeness and the image of God. So when you look at this, God's greatest desire was that of fellowship, companionship, and love. And he knew exactly that's what Adam needed, and the reason he knew that is because that's exactly what he wanted and he desired. His desire was to share his life intimately with each one of us and have communication day by day by day by day. Now, I'm going to use the word thing even in the ear of people, but anything that loves, it can only love when it has a choice. Love isn't love if you're a robot and you have to. Love is love when it's a choice. And so he created us to love. And so when we begin to look at the word worship, to love God or to worship God is to love God. To worship God is to express my love for God. So I like that into the marriage covenant. Something happens and Shelly's not here. I'm just imagine she was. 
something happens when I have a relationship with her. When I communicate with her. When I look her in the eye. See, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave. So love is rooted in giving. So to worship God is to love God. And to love God is expressed. So when I begin to express myself to my wife, what if I said, you know what? I'm going to tell you I love you one time a year and get over it. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back. No, get out. What would happen if I went to Shell and said, now here's the deal, dear. I'm going to give you my whole heart every Sunday for two hours. But the rest of the week, I'm AWOL. I'm nowhere to be found. What type of relationship would that be? So again, to worship God is to express it in a love. And so now we go back. How did Abraham express his worship to God? He began to offer God. He became a living sacrifice to God. He began to express it. So when we leave here today, some of you may get in your car and you may say, you know what, I didn't get nothing out of the service today. I didn't get nothing out of the singing today. I didn't get nothing out of the altar today. Well, here's the question. What'd you give? What'd you give? What'd you sacrifice? What did I offer to God? And so we begin to see God's heart just through what he did with Adam and Eve. And so my heart has been this. And of course, I get a head start on you guys. I know what I'm preaching on. Telling you since early this morning, oh my gosh, it has rolled out of me. Oh Lord, I offer my heart, I offer my mouth, I offer my hands. Something happens when I willfully choose to worship God. Thank God He didn't create you a robot or me. But something begins to happen when I express that. You know, again, Shelly doesn't ever have to grab me by the arm and say, tell me you love me. What happens when I just express my love? Not just on Valentine's Day. I'm going to take you through a quick journey through the book of Jeremiah. And I'm going to hit several passages. I'm going to start in Jeremiah 7. And the reason I want to do this is through the Word of God here, you're going to begin to hear God's heart in every one of these. And you'll pick it up real quick. Jeremiah 7, verse 23. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. And walk in all the ways that I've commanded you, that it may be well with you. To obey God's a choice. He doesn't say you're going to have to. Jeremiah 11, verse 4. Which I commanded your fathers in the day, I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice and do according to all that I command you, So shall you be my people, and I will be your God. This is his desire. 
Jeremiah 24, verse number 7. Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. Now, it's interesting there. He says the heart, the spirit, the real me. Now, what happens with religion is religion is an outward performance. It's an outward obedience. Do you know you can obey God outwardly, but your heart not be into it? But here he says, I want your heart. I want you to know me from your heart. Jeremiah 30. Verse 22, you shall be my people and I will be your God. Jeremiah 31, 33, this is the last one. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of the Lord after those days of the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, their souls, and I will write it on their hearts, their spirit, And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You catch all that over and over. It's referenced again and again. God's greatest desire is we be his people. He won't force us to be his people. Something happens when I respond out of my own choice and my own will, and I come before God. Not just to be born again, But when I come to these altars, I come on my own will. Saying, Father God, I want to live for you. I want to please you. I want to, every day when I wake up, when you're in the shower, it's a form of worship. When you get in your car, it's a form. When you go to work, it's a form of worship. All day long. See, think about this again. I'm married 24-7. I'm in that union all the days of my life. And it's a good union. It's a choice that I've made. I want you to go with me and we'll end with this. Revelations 21. Revelations 21. Woo, this has been good right here, I'm telling you. This is good. To understand God's heart toward us. Think about this even as a parent as you're turning there. And it does you good as a parent when you tell your kids to do something and they obey it. Oh, you are so blessed. You look, that's my boy, that's my girl. But when they disobey you, it's not pleasant. But when they disobey you, you don't look at them. When you tell them to be in at 10 and they come in at midnight, you don't look at them and stomp your foot and say, okay, that's it. You're changing your last name. That's it. You're no longer Sydney Bank. Now, she wouldn't do that. Maybe she would. <laughs> I'm looking at mama. And my mom and dad are here today. And I gave my mom and dad great opportunities to say, you don't get my name anymore. It's the same with Father God. And he repents us. He graces and mercies us. And that's what I loved about that song today. He pursues me. He's coming after me. There's not a wall he won't kick down, not a lie he won't tear down. 
He keeps pursuing us. Now, here we are in Revelation 21, verse 1. We're raptured. This is heaven, okay? Now, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. This thing called life on earth is wrapped up. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, that place in Moriah again, coming down out of heaven from God, Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You know what he likens to over and over in the Bible? It's a, it's a marriage union. The church, we're the bride of Christ, and here you see it. And then he goes on to say in verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven, loud, saying, Behold, the tabernacle or the dwelling of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they will be their God. When it's all wrapped up, this is God's desire. But what happens more so while we're here on earth as we say, Woo, Father God, I, I want to offer you my best. I want to sacrifice my best. And when I come to church on Sunday morning, I'm not coming to win a popularity contest. I'm coming to worship God. I'm coming to seek Him. I'm coming to kneel before Him. I'm coming to praise. I'm coming to shout. And again, some of you will say, well, that's not my personality. Don't go there with me again. I've seen you in ball games where you acted clamorously foolish. See, again, man, we can get excited about things in life, but how much more with the things of God? I'm going to ask you to stand up today, okay? No, I appreciate you guys letting me be honry. Just That's kind of how I am. Here's the truth of your matter. If you don't like it, my parents are here, blame them. <laughs> that's why they only come once a month, because that's all I can handle. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.